um, everything that our guys want to take or they talk about wanting to take, I have them bring it to me. Send me a picture, physically bring it in if they already have it. Um, and I don't just say yes or no, you can take it or not. I explain to them why they can and can't. And I'll also explain to them, you know, the benefits. But first I'll ask them what they want to use it for. Um, no matter what, if everyone knows creatine helps with muscle building, I'm still gonna ask, what do you want to, why do you want to use it? Um, because there's more benefit than just muscle building on creatine and weight or mass gain. There's so many benefits for it because that dairy has magnesium in it and that actually magnesium allows our body or our muscles to relax versus contracting, allowing us to get into a little bit deeper REM sleep, maybe sleeping a little bit longer than we normally would. And so there's those different key nutrients and sometimes whether they know it or not that I stick it in their meal plan, there it's for a reason. Um, so if a guy needs to gain weight, and I'm gonna put milk and cereal on there. Now we've, you know, combined protein and carbs together and we've got that calcium, we've got that dairy in there. That's gonna help them later at night. Whether they think that's a breakfast item when really it's not always. Hello and welcome back to PA Chalk Up. Today we've got the nutritionist for UW aka Washington University. Great. How are you, Manny? I'm good. Previously met and worked, oh, well, I was sort of picking your brain and working with you, Dub. Um, if you just give us a little rundown of what you do and yeah, how you Yeah, absolutely. So I'm the Director of Football Performance Nutrition for the University of Washington. I work with just our football team here. Um, and so I have uh, the wonderful access to help our student athletes make meal plans, create the menus that they're eating day in and day out, um, and build that trust for the athletes to make sure that they're being able to perform at their alt- optimal um, self each and every day. So working with just football, I'm in the weight room, uh, which is really nice uh, as guys come in and out. they I'm always in their presence. Nutrition is a huge part of their performance. Um, So that means working with our strength and conditioning staff on the daily, working with our athletic training staff as well, um, and then our our position coaches uh, on the daily as well. I I became a registered dietitian about three years ago, and I've always worked in sports. I've worked in the hospital um, as I was starting out. I've had a couple internships at the University of Oregon, at Exos. Um, was a grad assistant at the University of Oklahoma. And that kind of all brought me up into working with just football and kind of figuring out what sport, what avenue, where I was going to come in my goals and in my career. And so I was fortunate enough to have a really good coaching friend uh, introduce me to the staff that I have now. And that's how I got the job at uh, Fresno State. And I was working with all our athletes there, all the sports. And then when Coach Kalen DeBoer and uh, Coach Rama Kifri came up to UW, they brought me along with them. And so I've been here for almost two years now, coming in January. Crazy. Yeah. So with the program so big, how do you sort of keep everything in check in terms of who's eating what and how they're supposed to sort of keep their nutrition in line? Yeah, so... 
just like you program a strength and conditioning circuit or off-season program or in-season program, it's divvied up into your, you know, your different development groups that you're working with. Is it your travel squad in season? Is it your development squad? Is it, are we in season, out of season? That's kind of how I program what we're going to be doing and how we're going to educate what, whether we're in season or out of season. So obviously in season, because we're in season right now, it's just trying to maintain weight. And that's the biggest thing. We see a ton of trends from body composition testing, how we, we see trends from losing muscle mass, gaining fat mass, losing weight. So our biggest and foremost goal for us is just to focus on maintaining that weight and eating enough to maintain and hydrate. Um, And so the programming there is just making sure that the menus that I write for our kitchen staff to make are, has enough calories on it for our guys to meet those demands each and every day. Oh, I was going to say whether that's, our development guys that, you know, just came in mid-year transfers this year uh, or to our starting players. They all have different access to what they need to that individual specific goal. Yeah. So with the sort of different positional demands, how do you go about maintaining everyone's calories? We do utilize a, a meal plan, meal service, app online that allows me to create a meal plan for them and it syncs up to their phone. Uh, so kind of like a MyFitnessPal, but just a little bit higher level of what that is. So they have their daily intake of calories. They have their entire macros for the entire day. Um, and then if we really want to get, if someone's like super smart on it and really, really gets it, we'll go really deep into having like a different meal plan for each day. Because if we practice on Tuesday and we have a heavy pads practice day, it's early in August and it's hot, their caloric needs are going to be much higher than maybe on a Thursday practice when it's just shells, it's not super hot, they don't sweat as much, those calories are going to differ for them. And then on game day, those calories are going to change. So not only do the day-to-day change based on our climate, our the, the temperature, uh, what we're wearing, equipment, stuff like that. It also depends on that position. Mm. So how would you sort of program for these different sessions of what do you consider when writing these sessions? Yeah, plans? so not everyone, you know, wants to follow a designated meal plan, and that's okay. There's 120-some athletes. I think – it's those high priority kids that we really have to lean in on and they need our help on. Now that's maybe, you know, a quarter of our team that really needs a little extra help. And more often than not in season, it's our mid-year transfers or our younger guys. Um, And so that program is a little bit different where they have to show up and meet with the dietitian at certain meals. They have to show us their meal plan. They have to, you know, add the meals into their meal plan on their app to show that, okay, are you truly eating the enough amount of calories that you need? Are you overeating in certain areas? Because if you need to gain weight or if you need to lose weight and you're over under, things are not going to work out for you on your end. So you, we make our athletes 
do the work nutritionally just as they would in a strength program. Mm. Nutrition can set you up for so much success where a lot of athletes that don't pay attention to it, their performance suffers from it where they could be a great athlete, not just a good athlete. Uh, yeah. yeah, good. That was it. Yeah. No, um, I feel like, and that's, I think I've said this to you, but like, I think the nutrition is, I mean, it is the fuel that mm-hmm. fuels the car. If you lack that, then you don't have energy to keep going with these workouts. You don't have energy to practice. So in, in saying that, what kind of education do you provide for your athletes and what is it that you do in terms of that? Yeah, just in uh, education in general. Yeah, so yeah. a lot of our education comes in the off season. That's when we have a little bit more time to learn. That's when nutrition and strength and conditioning, that's like our go time. Yes, season is so important for everyone mm-hmm. in football, but like – the off season is where we get to build these athletes. And at the end of the summer is when people see changes in body composition, in speed, um, in physique, and then they congratulate or, you know, talk against nutrition and strength and conditioning. And so again, going back to the education is all in the off season. So for us here, we specifically have weekly education meetings from whether that's, you know, nutrition, whether that's a little bit of sports science stuff on sleep, hydration. Um, Sometimes we have Coach Mac talk as well on more of recovery modalities, things like that. So they're always getting some sort of hit on of education at the end of the week. Why are we in the weight room? Why are we eating? Uh, Why is this benefit benefited to us? And so for us, you know, I, I set up a curriculum for them based on things that they have expressed when they first come in or things that happen during the season. I kind of ask them what they want to know or what they want to learn, but then I also take mm-hmm. what I've learned of them. And so I kind of assess my population and then put out on the table what they need to know. And so a lot of a lot of it's summary teaching for you, some of our younger guys that come in in January. Um, so mm. it's okay. What's a macro? Why are we talking about hydration? Because um, you need to start learning that net right away. Because once August hits, that six seven months comes fast. Um, but then we deep dive into supplements. We go directly into how do I calculate my macros? I might talk about mm. you know what types of foods are important for sleep or benefit sleep, um, and so that's on a more wide range where it's a big team talk kind of thing. The education in season, on the other hand, is very informal. It might be in passing with an athlete. It might be out on, on the field during practice. Uh, It might be, Hey, Allie, my stomach wasn't feeling the best this morning. Here's what I ate. All right. Did you eat anything last night? Tell me about your symptoms. So a lot of it's just in that passing time where it's not in front of all 120 athletes. Um. So you get a lot mm. of different varieties of what we kind of provide on education. How do you build that sort of trust with them when they can just approach you with any sort of question like that? Yeah, 
trust is built in the off season too. We, in when I say we, it's the performance team, nutrition, athletic training, strength and conditioning outside of their coaches, us in the weight room, we are with them almost 24 seven and we have to develop that bond with them. Now you, you're not going to develop that bond with all 120 athletes. That's why there's so many of us down here helping guide them through this life in football. Um, but you really have to sit in their shoes, go where they are. I'm not always in my office. Hey, come to my office. Let's chat. I'm going to meet them at the meal table. I'm going to go out to the weight room when they're stretching and just chat it up. I'm going to, you know, try to catch them where they feel most comfortable because that's when they're going to be most open to talking to me, especially about nutrition. Nutrition and food, food insecurity, Mm -hmm. stomach issues, gut health is not something that's easy for people to open up to, especially younger males. And so if I ask someone to come chat with me or come talk to me about some gut issues, they're not going to unless I meet them halfway and meet them where they're at. And so I feel like I've done a very good job of developing that trust with, you know, almost everyone on our team because they know that I'm not going to wrap them out. I'm not going to, you know, yell at them. I'm here to show positivity and that food can have a super positive effect on their performance. And I think they know I'm here for that. And then I want to help them not hurt them. I want them to be successful. Yeah. With, I know coach Marks does this as well when he's recruiting and stuff, but what really fascinated me with the way you run your program was that you have like these one-to-one sessions with them at the very beginning and just sort of just like for that first month or so during what, July, August, you sort of keep having and revisiting these meetings. What goes on in those meetings and sort of how did you establish yeah. that? I'm going to go back to the recruiting piece of that because some of these guys we talked mm. to in June and July. And so we know them and they're going to be coming in in January of this year. And so for them to meet us and then not talk until they come six months later they're going to be like, oh, they just kind of forgot about me. They don't really care about me. We want them to know that they have our full trust, even when they're not physically in our building and we're not there on their phones every single day. And so that trust that we've been talking about, that actually starts with their recruiting process. Um, whether they're, you know, a senior in high school or they're a junior and they're going to transfer in from another college. Um, and so mm-hmm. for us, like, on game days and season, that's when they come, our recruits or our commits come. It's a great time for myself and Coach Mac to, to be like, hey, what's up, man? How you doing? Just a quick chat. does not have to be anything nutrition or strength related. It's more of just building that we're here for you. We are so proud of you for, you know, committing to us, committing to football. Um, and their families are here too. And we build that with their families. Mm. And I think that's a huge part of it. If your family can trust that they're sending their son off to uh, a new place, maybe far away, who knows, and they feel that you, they, you can, they can trust you, um, I think that's huge. And so for me, when mm-hmm. someone commits, I'm immediately texting them, messaging, making sure that they feel seen and heard from my aspect 
uh, if they need anything throughout their senior year. Um, and then, you know, we have guys coming this weekend. I'm going to make sure that I see them on the sideline and say, what's up? How you doing? Excited to see you in two months. Uh, those types of things that makes them feel mm. welcome. And so their program is a little bit different because they're not in our building. Right. So that's the great thing about our app. It's called note meal. That's what we use. Yeah. And that's what I send to them right when they commit like, Hey, do you want to get on a meal plan? Do you want any nutritional help right now? If so, here's this. Let's start here. If we want to talk or if we want to FaceTime, Zoom, you know, once a month or something, see how you're doing, we can. Or we don't have to. It's up to you. I want this to be a positive relationship between you, me, and nutrition. So a lot of those guys, um, the lovely thing about it is I can see their progress in real time on our note meal app and they can send progress mm. uh, photos of their meals. They can send in notes of how much they ate. Um, and then that's how we communicate too. Um, so it's, it's never just a, Hey, nice to meet you. I'll see you in six months. And then six months mm. comes like, hmm, do I remember you or not? Yeah. So that rapport is built through, sort of the recruitment phase and then just constant keeping up to see how they're doing and how they're progressing through their essentially season to then build up to what programs Absolutely. And I, I tell the recruits, even if we're not doing a full meal plan, us just communicating every so often is having that relationship when you come in in January versus us not having that previous connection you are, as an athlete, mm. going to go so much further in your football and in just general life because you've built those relationships. And now you're going to be a step above the other guys who did not try to build that relationship. They're not going to understand the ins and outs of how we work as a performance team versus if you know mm. how our strength coach and the head dietitian work and what they ask of you. And you're already doing that a month or two months prior to you coming in. You're gonna, you're gonna be bigger. You're gonna be faster before you come in. You're gonna know what type of workouts we run, what the intensity is like. Mm -hmm. That's gonna set you apart, not just a relationship, but just ad adapting yourself into that for sure. Yeah. What are some of the fundamental questions that you ask during these initial meetings? Yeah. Um, well, a lot of just, and this is not just sports nutrition, this is just nutrition in general. If you are to go to a hospital and see someone, I mean, you want to know their dietary recall. You want to know what types of elements, what types of foods, those types of things that they eat, because that's, I said before, nutrition is, can be such a touchy subject for some. Um, mm. And you're going to like a lot of things that you like, and you're going to dislike things that you're going to dislike. And so I'm not someone to ever just take away completely something on a meal plan. So I always ask, what do you like? What's a non-negotiable? Um, what is a non-negotiable as far as food goes? Um, I always want to know if they have any allergies, dietary preferences, uh, religious preferences as well. And that's a big thing. Mm. Uh, luckily right now, I don't have a ton of food preferences on the team, which makes it a little bit easier. Um, and then other ones, questions that I ask is, especially for those new recruits, if they've ever met with a dietitian before, if they've ever followed yeah. a meal plan, do they know what a macronutrient is? I need to know their basic level of 
comprehension before I can throw education at them. Yeah. Um, so in terms of food insecurities and how people handle their food, how do you go about sort of those hardships with people and their food situation? So like once we've kind of crossed that barrier, once we know what their allergen is essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, so then. Or just any insecurities yeah, so in general. Obviously we're going to address any insecurity that is, whether it's food security in the home, which I've seen before, if it's not being able to use some of the resources that we provide to the guys, as far as like red card, if you're familiar with that, when we had it here, mm-hmm. um, providing money on a card. Um, do they have transportation? Uh, do they have, are they physically able to walk to the store to grab something or to a restaurant? So there's more implications, I guess, or more um, preferences far beyond just dietary professions um, and allergen preferences. And so I ask all those too, because if we have a guy in a boot and I ask him to go walk down to the store, they can't do that. Um, do we have transportation to go pick up groceries? Um, what does your family look like at home? Do you have family here? Do you, are you, are you coming from Texas? You know, uh, what does that look like in the home and what are you provided? Are you on scholarship? No scholarship. Are you provided Mm -hmm. that money or not? And depending on how much that athlete gives or displays to me is kind of the level of what we can provide for them. And so obviously I have a full nutrition station that we're able to provide, I guess, endless amount of food for them, which is Mm -hmm. great. And so a lot of them, they see it as just food that stays here. Whereas someone comes up and says, I just don't have extra funds for the week. Just let me know. I'm going to be very um, helpful for you and I will be lenient and give you, you know, a bag to take home. If you just need a milk jug, a milk gallon to bring home for the week. If you need to stock up a bag of, you know, dry cereal or a thing of bagels, I'm going to do that because because we, we have the resource to help you on that. Um, we've got a lot of young guys that don't have cars. Obviously, our population in Seattle as well is we don't have a bunch of trans- easy transportation methods um, mm-hmm. or a lot of easy parking, I guess, as well. Um, and so I've offered and I've done, you know, the pickup before of our athletes. Let's go to the store together um, so you can make sure you have enough groceries in the home. Um, one of our coaches actually just this week, we had a very serious talk with one of our coaches and athletes and the coach is willing to buy that athlete a fridge to put in his dorm room. And so once an athlete's able to open up that information to us, that's when we know they trust us. That's when they know we trust him. Um, and then we can better help him. So coach bought his fridge. I'm going to take him to go get groceries because he doesn't have a car. We're going to love that fridge. So there's a lot more that goes into than than just the dietary or like allergen preferences. There's a a lot more that goes into it that we can help on. Mm -hmm. The the thing that I'm sort of always amazed at is how close and 
tight-knit the UW family is, like, in terms of coaches and staff and players. Like, I, I'm not shocked that that is what's happening because, like, I know Coach Mark, AJ, Fink, Coach Cook, Cream. Like, any time that I had a question, they'd be like, yeah, they would just, like, stop what they were doing and then they would answer it. Or, like, you would let me into some of the player-athlete meetings and, like, it was just like everyone's there for like the same reason is to build this program and like help each other build it. Um, in terms of that, what is like some non-negotiables um, in your nutrition program? Yeah, well, that one's, it's, I mean, you'd think you'd have your non-negotiables, but like it's kind of hard to say because, I mean, nu- nutrition to me is my, the non-negotiable. Um. Obviously, mm. I give the guys the option if they want a meal plan or not, um, whether they're going to follow, is it worth my time? Um, but my non-negotiables is always around strength and conditioning because they're in there recreating or recomping their body. Um, and so when the guys come in, in the in the winter, you know, this year our big, our big, I guess, non-negotiable was book ending your workouts you're in the weight room for a reason to recomp your body to build muscle to lean uh to lean out lose some body fat and so the only way to repair those muscle tissues is to repair it and build it with protein and carbs and that just nutrition and so i call it the bookend of the workout because you need your pre you need your pre-workout in your post-workout. So that was one that we hit hard January through May this year. And everybody in this building knew about it. And in the summer, it's like, okay, how do we do grocery shopping? How do we do these things? We've got that time. Um, and then in season, my, my non-negotiable is you will meet with nutrition and we will weigh you and we will track that. Um, you, you have to know what your weight is. You have to be able to understand why all this is important and and how you're going to utilize that because your coaches are going to ask about it. Your strength coaches are honing in on it. I'm doing it daily with you. Um, So yeah, that's, I mean, nutrition's a non-negotiable right there. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Um, I sort of remember, like, I think it was more towards the end of me being in there in 2022, but you just came around with a trolley at the beginning of every workout and at the end of every workout. And like, it was just a snack bar. Everyone just like sort of got pots, like just pots of anything. There was just like snacks that I'd never seen <laughs> from the UK. And I was like, what, what is that? <laughs> like those, uh, the one thing that I got most shocked about was that peanut butter and jelly, like little, um, circular thing. I don't know what they're called. I can't remember. <laughs> yeah, Crystal. I was like, what is that? And I saw players eating. I was like, that looks disgusting. Yes. <laughs> they love it. <laughs> um, so with that sort of car, how, why is that important for sort of mm-hmm. before the workout and after the workout? Yeah. So the car, which we've upgraded since you've been here. I've seen on Instagram. Very Beautiful. jealous. Thanks. Shout out, Gatorade. <laughs> um, but that cart, guys know it as the pre-fuel cart. 
your pre-fuel is anything and everything under the sun that is pre-fuel. And that part of the education mm-hmm. we do in the off-season is simple com- uh, simple versus complex carbs. Okay. The simple carbs are what you want to mm-hmm. take zero to 30, maybe 45 minutes before you work out, uh, before you lift, before you got to practice. Those are things that are going to be easily digestible and things that your body um, or your stomach can digest within that next time before you got to that workout. And it's going to use that, right? Those are all carbs. So carbs are our body's main fuel source. Kind of going back to your uh, car analogy, that's the gas in the tank allows the car to go. So same thing there. Guys know and understand that that cart and those items on that car are only pre-fuel items. So they're not going to see fruit snacks or they're not going to see a Rice Krispie treat, you know, hanging at hanging out at 3 p.m. in the afternoon in meetings uh, because it's not serving a purpose then. And that all comes down to mm-hmm. nutrient timing and them understanding that it's okay to have sugar. It's okay to have a fruit snack at 18, 19, 20 years old, but we have to do it in the right timing. And that's when it helps or hurts our performance. And so that's snack cart. We move around. Allie's always with food. Um, I, when I first got here, they're like, the Allie, the crazy lady with food always. Um, but yeah, that, that cart serves um, a main purpose in that pre-workout, um, that mm. beginning of the bookend. Um, and for after workouts, what's your sort of take on what they need to have and what kind of foods are good for after workouts? Yeah, so kind of shifting a little bit on the difference of that nutrient timing right after your workout, ideally within 30, 60 minutes or whenever you can get that nutrition in, we try to do protein and carbs together. Um, That's what's going to help repair any of that tissue breakdown that happened either in practice or in a lift. Uh, Those two paired together is what's going to essentially allow your body to repair itself in the next 24-hour window. And so you can come back 100% the next day, hopefully. Um, If you're missing out on those Mm -hmm. key nutrients, your body's not eating it up and you will not be able to perform at your best at the same intensity the next day. Um, Yeah. So how do you calculate the protein that like a specific athlete needs to take? either like during their day and after workout? Yeah. So just based on, you know, science and research, I mean, essentially for these big athletes in football, and this is different if it's a female soccer or female volleyball, this is different, but you know, I try to at least get them 30 to 40 grams of protein and after their workout plus 60 mm. to 75 grams of carbs in one shake or one snack. So all of our our smoothies that you um, hopefully were able to see, those were all the same amount of macros. No matter if it was peach cobbler or it was a strawberry banana or it was the lean, mean, green machine, um, they all had the same macros. So the guys knew exactly what they're getting each single time. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, those who might have to gain weight, they know that they take that smoothie with a snack or they grab two smoothies to get their macros in. Um and then our, you know, dairy-free guys, they obviously have a separate section that they know they can always go to to get their, to get their stuff in. Those who are leaning out, yeah. on the other hand, 
Maybe it's just a shake for them. Maybe it's a Propel versus a Gatorade for those fluids after as well. Um, Cause it's making sure that yes, I get the protein and the carbs, but it's also getting those fluids in to replenish too. Yeah, you've kind of touched on it and I'm really happy that you have. Can you explain the importance of having protein and carbs at the same time and what yeah, that does? Absolutely. So there's three three R's of recovery. Um, and that's to rebuild, refuel, um, and replenish. And so two of those rebuild with protein, uh, to refuel with carbs. Those two things work hand in hand to put that muscle glycogen back in or to put the glycogen into the muscle because it's our muscles at the end of the day that are doing the work, right? It's not our fat that's doing it. That's what we're burning essentially. We don't want to burn our our, our muscles. So if we're putting enough of our carbs and protein into the muscle, that means we're going to be building that muscle. We're not tearing it down. We're not losing that muscle that we're trying to build. Uh, And so – when we think about our pre and post, we, we try to keep the carbs high um, and we try to keep our fat low. I know that's one thing we have not talked about is the fat. We still need that intake mm-hmm. because it's so beneficial to our health. But around those workouts, we want to keep that minimal. But after we work, but after that workout or after that lift session, it's going to be the carbs and protein to help rebuild everything that we just replenish or depleted in the workout. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you've sort of touched on the first two hours, but the replenishing is your fluids and your fluid intake. Um, what, what? I'll just try that again. Um, what's the importance of hydration and electrolytes um, during and after a workout and even before? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, electrolytes are and hydration is super, super important uh, for athletes, right? It's our body is primarily made up of water. And so it needs that fluidity to keep our muscles moving and our joints um, not from overriding each other. So so that hydration is super important no matter what, if you're an athlete or not. I think the percentage is like 72% our body's made up of water. Um, And so we always are talking about that hydration. you know, signs of dehydration can can include like fatigue on the field. We can lose that hand-eye coordination. Um, it's really great for our peripherals. So, uh, if we're on uh, if we're on the line, we can't see as a receiver. Maybe our you know our right tackle to the left of us, um, or if we've got a receiver going down the field, you know he needs to have multiple ways of eyesight and clear consciousness. And that's kind of what hydration does. It does a lot more than just making sure the body is hydrated. It has a lot to do with our our brain coordination too. Um, and so that's one thing that we really push a lot. And so we're trying to make sure that they're drinking and hydrating all throughout the day. So wherever there's food, there's always going to be hydration for us, right? And so hydration is not just water. It's not just Gatorade. You know, there's Propel milk are also a part of fluids. So we count that as well. Um, but there can also be an extent of how much and when to take hydration as well. Mm. Um, through fall camp is one of our biggest times that we push hydration. Like it's nobody's business. They are losing (laughs) a lot of weight 
in one single practice. I've seen up to 10 pounds in a practice before. And we do hydration testing for that reason. Um, And so if someone's losing a certain amount of pound during a practice, they need to replenish exactly what they normally would drink plus an extra like 16 ounces for each pound lost. And some guys look at me like, oh, so I just need to drink maybe eight bottles of water a day. I'm like, no, that's in addition maybe to what you're losing just to Mm. maintain that weight so you don't increase your risk of injury the next day. That's how important hydration is. Yeah. Can you sort of walk us through some of the tactics that you use to measure out how much fluid they actually need to take? So depending upon when we're in season or out of season is – We'll use Gatorade. They have a sweat patch, the GX patch. Mm. We'll use that. We stick it right onto the forearm and it collects their sweat at the same time that it collects their sodium analysis. And so sodium, uh, that's the primary electrolyte that we lose in our sweat. And that's the one that we primarily replenish with as well. There's four other main ones, but this is the top one that we lose. Um, and that we're curious in looking at replenishing. Um, so once we, you know, take this patch off of a guy in practice, which is very rigorous testing, I will say it took two people to do two athletes an entire practice, two hour practice. It's tracking um. exactly when they, when and what they ate, when and how much they drank during the practice. Did they have to use the restroom? Did they lose those fluids as well? Um, and then just, you know, tracking humidity of that practice that all goes into all the hydration testing. And then we come out with a number of how much sodium they lost in a single typical practice essentially. And then we can look back at that and set up a, a full hydration plan, just like as we would nutrition. Mm. And how do you go about implementing that? So Based on previous knowledge or in practice, what we see uh, as far as people or guys who are prone to cramping or are very heavy sweaters, or maybe they're a key guy on the field, um, that's when we'll say, okay, we're going to test him. We're going to test him, or they're just going to get these amounts of fluids type of thing. So we, as the Mm -hmm. professionals down here, so to come from, myself and our athletic trainer, we kind of look at what, who those guys are and that's who will test or that's who will have a specific plan. Or if, you know, we had a transfer come in last year who came and said that he had issues with cramping. Um, he kind of went into that protocol for us that, all right, you're going to get these type of electrolytes. Here's, you know, what your hydration plan is going to kind of look like. Um, and then ended up being a key player for us as well. So it's like, we got to stay on him on the hydration. Maybe it's not nutrition because mm. sometimes it's not just food. It's sometimes just hydration for some of these guys. Um, what kind of electrolytes do you recommend for athletes and yeah. people in sport? The easiest and cheapest one is you could just add table salt to water. It's going to say taste like salty water, but it does a trick. Um, you could add in coconut water for different key electrolytes. Um, you can kind of make your own concoctions with that and juice and salt. Um, or you can go the expensive route and you could buy like drip drop is what we provide to the guys. So it's a salt pack. It's about um, 
600, 700 milligrams of sodium in there. Uh, very tasteful. We go through them like it's crazy around mm -hmm. here. Um, but the guys know that they need to replenish their electrolytes. So they're going to double up on them. And I'm good with that. Um, we also provide a thing called the right stuff. And so it's just a small little pouch, liquid pouch, um, maybe an ounce or two ounces worth. And they just squirt that in their mouth. And that's about 1700 milligrams of sodium, which with some people that's over half of someone's daily value. And so as a new, as a dietitian, mm -hmm. I have to know that that's over half of my daily intake. I'm, they are not a regular individual. They're not the recommended that the, you know, Academy of Nutrition Dietetics is recommending or, you know, the National Health Institute is recommending. These are athletes we're talking about. They, they, they probably, mm -hmm. the numbers that I've done on hydration testing, they lose what I need to take in my day. So if they're losing that, they need to double that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, can you sort of explain why there's such a big difference between athletes and like your regular people? The intensity of the workout is typically higher. The duration of those workouts are typically longer. Uh, their body's ability to change a little bit more rapidly given who's running their workouts and their nutrition programs. That's why it's a little bit different. I could not eat like an O-lineman <laughs> and try to, you know, lose weight at the same time. That's what I find amazing is like when I was across there, I actually lost weight. And people were like, how? Like America's bigger. It does everything bigger. I was like, no idea. I mean, I sweated all day. That was about it. <laughs> It was hot here in the summer. Uh, it was. It was actually really nice. I have <laughs> been at a university that, I mean, there was no budget on food. And I would eat when all the athletes would eat. And I tell my athletes, you know, seven, eight times a day, kind of depending what your calories look like. I don't need to be eating like mm. that. I am not an elite athlete. I want to be. But I'm not anymore. <laughs> and and so that that's that's a big difference there is my workout is not as intense, as long, as hard as theirs is. I do not burn as many calories as they do. That is the same for yeah. any average gym goer. That is the same for any CrossFitter. Workouts are different and the intensity is. And they are able to burn 2,000 calories or more in a workout or in a duration of a practice that allows them to eat yeah. double the more that we can eat. I think that's something that really, that was really nice about you Dub, is like coaches and like the whole coaching stuff with actually with mm -hmm. athletes as well. Like I know Friday was a big day for everyone where we just got to eat together and just like chop it up. Um, One big happy family. <laughs> exactly. Um, what changes do you sort of make between sort of the different seasons that it is within the whole program? Say that again. Um, what kind of like different season changes do you apply to the nutrition depending on like what phase yeah. of the season they're in? 
So anything that I program is based off of the strength and conditioning program for that phase. So obviously you kind of knew what the summer phase looked like. Now the phases go off of, you know, what our head coach kind of wants for in season, but then our strength coach kind of takes the entire off season as his own. And so whatever he's implementing as far as what practices go or what lifts look like or what is, you know, when, how often we're lifting, that's when I'm going to Im- implement what we're doing for nutrition. So we're not always sitting and eating at the dining hall upstairs. There are some times where we're just grabbing, you know, a catered meal to grab and go. Um, a lot of times we do that in the off season because we want to try to give these guys a little bit, bit of time back to them. They're also in school. Um, and so it doesn't always look the same for me, but I would try to match up the content of that meal based on what type of workout we're doing. Now, Fridays, obviously we wanted to be, you know, relaxing, everyone eat together, enjoy it, it's the end of the week. Um, so that's just based off that. Then let's say we're doing a winter conditioning workout that includes a 45-minute lift, and then we go do an hour conditioning. I know based off of our strength and conditioning program that that workout for that day is going to be much harder than the next day that's maybe just an hour lift. So on that day, I'm going to try to provide a little bit bigger of a heavier meal. So we're going to do a sit-down meal. And I'm going to include, you know, a couple different types of carbs, some a little bit heavier for those weight gain guys, some a little bit lighter, maybe some rice for our lean out guys. And then same thing with proteins, make sure that there's a variety there too. But then maybe on the, <clears throat> excuse me, maybe on that, um, that lift day, it's just a to-go meal. Okay. So I'm programming everything based off the strength and conditioning program. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what's your thoughts on supplements and sort of how do you keep your athletes mm-hmm. clean for sport? Good question. Cause that's a, that's a big topic in the industry from both your side and my side. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, everything that our guys want to take or they talk about wanting to take, I have them bring it to me. Send me a picture, physically bring it in if they already have it. Um, and I don't just say yes or no, you can take it or not. I explain to them why they can and can't. And I'll also explain to them... Yeah you know, the benefits. But first, I'll ask them what they want to use it for. Um, no matter what, if everyone knows creatine helps with muscle building, I'm still going to ask, what do you want to, why do you want to use it? Um, because there's more benefit than just muscle building on creatine and weight or mass gain. There's so many benefits for it. Um, if someone's asking about taking vitamin C, or let's just say it's like a multivitamin, I'll make sure that I understand their why and the reason why they want to take it. And then whether that's something that I can provide for them, um, if that's something we're already providing for the team, or if it's something that they can purchase on their own and within reasonability. Uh, There are certain things that we provide or that I provide already to them um, that is compliant, that is safe, it's third-party tested. The guys can trust that what I put in front of them that they're not going to test positive for. Um, But then there's some occasions that some people don't 
express or they do not come forward with what they're taking. Um, and that becomes a huge reliability on not only them, but it become can become a reliability on myself because we didn't catch it or we didn't have it in our, in our notes. Mm-hmm. Um, but every single year, supplements is one of our nutrition talks because no matter what it is, you as an athlete are responsible for everything you put into your body. I don't care if that's a pill form, a powder form, if it's a liquid drink, you are the person that put it in your body, not us. So that's something that I'd be very mm-hmm. I am very strict in telling them because they're here to do business. They're here to play, they want to play, they don't want to be sitting out if they test positive for whatever it is, they could be out a couple games, they could be out half of a season. It's been done and we show them, you know, thing or athletes in the past who have been taken away for such situations. And we tell them, don't be that guy. Okay. There, there, there's, mm. it happens not only at the collegiate level, but even at the professional level too, that you, you get fined for it too. You, you get excused from playing in games because you put something in your body. Um, and so I take that very seriously, whether I'm giving someone something or they're asking to take something. Um, so that's a, that's a huge topic around here. Yeah. Have you had to deal with a, like an athlete that's maybe tried to keep certain things away from you? And how did you deal with that? Um, not necessarily someone trying to keep it from me. I think I always find out. Or if they're uh, walking around with their bottle in the hallway or something, I'll just be like, oh, what you got there? Um, and then they're pretty open and honest about telling me about it. Now, there's times where I'll see like a an energy drink or something in a garbage can. I actually keep those and I'm wait, waiting on them for a rainy day to tell it in front of the team. Like, we do not take these certain products for a reason. Um, but when I tell the guys like that's something that they probably shouldn't be taking, they listen to me. I think that's part of that trust. Um, they were ov- obviously this season, but any season, you know, they don't want to lose their eligibility in the next three most beneficial games. Um, even if it's in the off season, mm-hmm. oh, it's just the off season. I, we don't got games. No, they will suspend you for games in season. You don't want that. Um, so no, I haven't really had too many difficult people. Um, I will say though, not here, but when I was working in California, that was, it was harder for me to be reasonable with what are the recommendations in different countries, because we actually had a bunch of athletes Mm. that came from Europe or came from Germany, came from wherever, and they had their supplements with them, which crossing continents for our state of Mm -hmm. things you it it may be okay to take in like the uk or maybe okay to take in germany but it may not be able to be okay to take in the us because we just have different regulations Mm -hmm. and so that's when it becomes a little bit harder um and sometimes that barrier is a little bit more difficult between the practitioner and the athlete um but i've never even in that instance i've never had someone say i'm still going to take it type of a thing thankfully because i know it's i know it's been done it's been out there yeah so what's some of the biggest mistakes that you've seen from athletes when it comes to nutrition 
just one, I mean, the biggest one, just not prioritizing it. Like if you're not prioritizing it, if you're not even one step ahead interested in it, then, then you truly aren't caring, not that you're not caring about your body. You're just not putting that effort in that could make you a good athlete into a great athlete. Um, the other one I see is guys not prioritizing their bookending, their pre and post. In, a, in an off season, I have seen someone not gain muscle mass and they come looking at me and coach, why didn't I gain muscle? I had this great, um, I've had this great program all, all off season. Okay, well, what are you doing eating wise? Were we following the recommendations? Were we following your meal plan? Yes or no? No, it wasn't. I didn't have time. I had to run to class. I get class is important. I get that your training session is important, but so is nutrition and start for and it's that's my that's my big that the biggest thing that I see mistake wise is it you're mm-hmm. not prioritizing it. And now you're not prioritizing your health of your muscles and the health of your body. And then it looks like on us, why why didn't I change my body? What's the key, the thing? Yeah. It's always nutrition. It's either hurting or breaking you. Yeah. Um, you've kind of just touched on it. And how hard or how it, how do you manage with obviously their athletes, but they're also students at the same time? How do you sort of try and get the nutrition in through there? Mm. Say that one more time, just so I can understand the full complexity. Yeah. So obviously their students and their athletes at the same time. So there is instances that they have to sort of, they're being pulled in a million different ways. How do you ensure that proper nutrition is implemented? It's hard because they're in school most of the time, other than maybe in the summer and then a little break in the winter. Right now we we actually work with the academic liaisons with their academic advisors uh, on making sure that when they're done with practice, that they have enough time to get what they need to get done and get to class on time. Now, we can't please all 120 athletes and all of their professors. Um, And so sometimes they do have to rush right up to class. And so I will work with their academic um, specialist to make sure that we have a to-go box ready for them to leave on the way to class. Mm-hmm. And so we we have to make sure that they're, the athlete's meeting us in the middle, but we're also meeting them. If you're going from a two-and-a-half-hour pro- two practice, not eating for four or five hours, and then you go to class, that's for two hours. Now you're not eating for seven. That's so detrimental. Um, and so, again, going back to education, making sure that they're aware of why we're pushing so much of that food and nutrition on them. Um, but then if there are guys who struggle to eat during class or physically is not allowed to eat in class, what? how are we setting up those times in your day or on your meal plan to make sure you can still get in those calories or get in that meal or that snack? And so some guys have different plans with me, whether they're checking in with me at certain times of the day or that they grab a snack bag to take with them to class 
So the next four hours that they're in the class, they have opportunities to eat and they don't feel like they don't have, you know, a preparation plan with them. So we, we always say is, um, what is the term prepare, planning to fail, failing to plan. Um, if, if they don't, you know, pack a bag with them, they don't pack their snacks, they're already failing because now they're four hours what are you doing? You could be eating. That could be an extra 700 calories where you're missing, not maybe why you're not gaining weight or something. Yeah. What's your sort of take on foods? You've, you've kind of briefly mentioned it, but foods that prepare you for that and recovery and sleep. Yeah. I mean, all, all food or any food's a little bit better than none, nothing making sure you're getting in that, especially for these guys are such high elite level athletes that their bodies can take a lot. Um, but I tell mm. them like dairy products, if they can handle that within their stomachs, that's a great late night snack for them because that dairy has magnesium in it. And that actually magnesium allows our body or our muscles to relax versus contracting, allowing us to get into a little bit deeper REM sleep, maybe sleeping a little bit longer than we normally would. And so there's just those different key nutrients. Mm. And sometimes whether they know it or not that I stick it in their meal plan, it's for a reason. Um, so if a guy needs to gain weight and I'm going to put milk and cereal on there, now we've you know combined protein and carbs together and we've got that calcium, we've got that dairy in there, that's going to help them later at night whether they just think that's a breakfast item yeah. when really it's not always. Um, but as far as that recovery, that sleep is, you know, sleep is some of the best recovery for an athlete's body. And so a lot of that dairy, I know some people can't handle it. So we've tried to figure out alternatives. Um, that can be an easy way for anybody to get in. It has such great key mm -hmm. potential. It has all the different micronutrients in it to provide that body for optimal recovery. Yeah. Can you sort of describe or explain the differences between your macronutrients and your micronutrients? Yeah. So our macros are going to be the big ones. Those are the ones that we primarily see on food labels, the ones that health professionals and people talk about calculating all the time. That's our protein, our carbs, and our fats, and things that we've discussed earlier. And those are the main ones that we look at for nutrient timing, um, the things that we track for our athletes to make sure that they're hitting further whatever their goal is. And then micronutrients are like our vitamins, our minerals, um, the magnesium we talked about, calcium, vitamin B, vitamin D, things like that. Those are going to be in lesser amounts that we need in our body. So we need, you know, more carbs up the day, but we can get a lot of carbs from some of these smaller micronutrients. Um, mm -hmm. Or they might be things that our body can't absorb more of. So our body doesn't, especially in Seattle here, we don't absorb as much vitamin D as someone who might absorb that better in, you know, somewhere closer to the equator um, or maybe in Texas or something. And so we have to make sure that we're supplying a little bit that more of here than those in different types of climates. And those are nutrients. So how those are? No, that, that was it basically. Right. Um, in terms of vitamin D and Bs, like how do you choose to put that forward in the program? So upon like their arrival, 
we will test the guys, their lab values. Um, we don't do all of them. Um, just like the main ones that we want to know, because obviously that can vitamin D, for instance, that can play an impact in stress fractures, uh, soft tissue tears, anything that has to do with the ligament there. Uh, so we do want to test some certain micronutrients for that, some vitamins, some minerals. Um, and then we can track, you know, based on the time of the season or what type of time of the year, um, do they absorb more? We're going to see more absorption in the summertime for that vitamin D. Um, versus if we're eating more, like we would be eating a lot more in fall camp and in season because we provide them with a lot more meals. It's the demands of the sport. We're going to see a lot more mm. absorption of the vitamin B, any B vitamins, because B vitamins come from all general sources of food. But we're going to see B12 because that's our primary energy uh, vitamin. And that's in a lot of food. So we're going to see an increase in absorption in those lab values. Yeah. I, um, I once took vitamin B12 without knowing the full impact on side effects of it. Um, obviously, it turns your, your pee bright yellow. Um, so I took it and knowing that that's the effect it was going to take, I then went for a pee and I just peed that bright yellow and I was like, oh no, my liver's gone. <laughs> How do you sort of tell your athletes these sort of symptoms and things that might happen due to supplementation? That's actually funny because I had an athlete open up to me once a couple years ago. They're like, Allie, I'm, I don't know what's wrong, but like my pee is yellow and I swear I'm hydrating. And I'm like, I know you are. We do it together. And I was like, okay, what, what type of vitamins are we taking? Are you taking more of something? And he's like, I'm following everything that you give me. So, all right, I go back to, you know, our documentation. What is, what is guy taking? Sure enough, it's the B vitamins um, taking in excess because he was taking them also at home. And it was primarily coming from a multivitamin. Mm. It wasn't just strictly the vitamin itself. It was a multi. And it is true. Like that is a side effect is your pee can become yellow because that's just the nature of that product. It doesn't mean that you're dehydrated, but I think that's why I brought that up because we have those situations pop up and they can definitely happen. I've had athletes, you know, try to take vitamins before a workout and they threw them up just because their body can't handle that mm. acidity of the vitamin, or maybe they can't handle the, um, the, the, the complex the complex part of the vitamin, essentially. Maybe they didn't take it down mm. with enough food. They didn't take it down with enough water. It didn't digest in the body and they threw it back up. So that's another big thing is that can be a side effect of any vitamin is just making sure, or any pill, I guess, just making sure you, you take it with food, you take it with water. Yeah, I think it is important that like for every nutrient or sort of supplement that you take, there's always uh, something like a next step that you have to do to make sure it works its mm -hmm. way around the body. Um, I know creatine's a big one and you need water, fats, proteins to make it sure that it actually goes through your systems yeah. properly. Um, another, so I was, when I was doing my undergrad, we did a study on the effects of beetroot. Um, I think it was beetroot. It wasn't, it was beetroot juice of some sort. 
And our lecture was like, yeah, your pee is going to be red for a while. Uh, but we'll see what effects it takes. So we drank this beetroot. And like I remember, like, okay, the next couple of days I peed red. And I was like, that was normal. One of the people that did it forgot that he had taken that and that we had been warned of over it. I get a message from him. I was like, after this study, like, we pushed hard and I'm peeing red. Like, I'm peeing blood. I was like, <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> No, you're not. You're peeing out that uh, beet powder. Yeah. To be fair, I think my my results increased by two minutes. We did a an erg bike uh, incremental test. So each minute or each every two minutes, it went up a kilogram. And I got in a heat tent as well. So it was like under heat and humidity, my time went right. up by two minutes. It's quite cool. It's so Um, that that type of testing is so awesome. And it's not something college athletics or I guess athletics in general gets to see mm -hmm. because it's in in more of like the endurance based realm or like your tactical athletes. That's really cool. Yeah, we all we did a bunch of stuff in it. So my uni made a a heat tan out Mm -hmm. of a greenhouse. So they just bought a normal uh, greenhouse, then hooked up. Uh, I think it was one of those spray, like paint spray paint um, for like the fences and stuff, and one of them with a bunch of water at the bottom, and then some fans to extract some of the heat and give oxygen. And that's how they made a heat tent. And like we did um, sprint protocols on there, and, like that that helped massively with sort of maintaining the oxygen and how to utilize your oxygen during these high heat situations. Yeah. Um, no, but like that is something that I wish like colleges were able to do and just implement these little research projects into their office. I know like some uh, colleges do it in their exercise science department. Um, like when I went to North Dakota State, and we did some like DEXA testing, and that's when I first learned about body composition. Mm. But we didn't do anything further as far as like CO two max stuff like that. Where some universities that are more on the medical side, like I'm guessing maybe like KU or something, Kansas, they do something like that in their exercise science program or their kinesiology program. Versus, mm. I don't think UW here has an exercise science program, but it's like food systems and nutrition. So there's there's no correlation between sports here or like sports nutrition that they would have mm. or the need to do that. Yeah. Do you think if if in an ideal world, what kind of things would you add into the program that you haven't been able to add in yet? Um, well, not sure how much I can say of this. Um, but we're we're in the works <laughs> of uh, redoing redoing that fueling station. We're making the markups. Mm. We're doing the drawings. Uh, we're going to make it a little bit more fluid of an area uh, and make it a better proximity for our athletes to get in their pre-fuel and to get in their recovery. Uh, we want to keep it within the weight mm. room. It's uh, accessible to the guy again. To the guys again, it's proximity. Um, believe it or not, I know you know this, um, but the more you physically hand something to one of these athletes, the more up they're going to take it versus if you leave something on a counter, they're not going to take it. Yeah. There was a, there was a couple of athletes where I had to t- 
tell them go into that kitchen yes. and just grab something. Like some some of the athletes in Iraq, like the first question I always ask is, "How are you doing? How did you sleep? Have you had anything to eat?" And like some of them would just come in and be like, "No, can't stomach anything." I was like, "I get that, but you kind of yeah. need something to fuel you through this work. I yeah. know what's coming, so go." Go grab something to eat and then come. Go come put some of that gas me. in that tank. Yeah, and yeah. we're also working um, on getting like a kitchen, a full training table kitchen, action stations, different nice. variety of food. So, going to be a long project, but something we're look very much looking forward to because if we want to continue to play and to uh, perform at this level that we're heading to. We need to have all those steps in place. So that's something that we're really excited to be working on. Yeah. You're kind of alluding to the big switch uh, from Pac-12 yeah. to Big Ten. How how big of a jump do you think that is going to be for like in terms of your job and what you're having to implement from then on? I truly don't think I'm going to know until we're traveling our first game away. Um, I do know that packing – our food and packing our hydration and all of the equipment that I need just for just nutrition, it's already a process. And our truck leaves, you know, three, four, five, sometimes seven days early. And so having, Mm -hmm. being away of that equipment when we still need it for practice here, I could see it being a little bit bigger of a process for us. Um, especially if we're, you know, we have to play Maryland next year. If we, we have to go all the way out there, that's a longer flight than us going to Michigan state this year. Uh, so I could see us going an additional day earlier. Now that's going to be a lot more meals to plan on the road, uh, or in flight, a lot more snacks for the practice that we're going to have on site there. Um, so I could see the, the, just the process being a little bit more tedious um, I think the sleep, the, the, the plane travel can, you know, obviously altitude can mess with stomach issues. It can cause some dehydration. Some people get better sleep. Some don't get as best sleep on planes. Um, so I, I could see some of that, you know, tanking some of the things, but that's just something that we already know as performance staff, that that's going to mm-hmm. be an education piece for everybody and probably some we're going to do yeah. right away in the off season. Uh, but then right again, right before we get to season, just as like a quick re, re uh, vamp start. Yeah. So what kind of considerations do you do when you are traveling these big? Yeah. Models? So because of like cabin pressure, because of the altitude, um, all that actually takes away some of that water kept in our body and that's why when you might hear uh, that you can actually lose 16 to 24 ounces of fluid in flight per hour. And so that's why I tell our guys to replenish with or at least to have, you know, 16 ounces every hour. If you can um, swap it between electrolytes and water, switch up your fluids because your body is just going to naturally lose that. And so we try to prep them with, you know, some high um, – electrolyte shots before we board the plane try to prep their body because i know a lot of them are going to try to rest in that so if they're not going to be drinking every so often 
or taking a bottle down each hour, we're going to try to just get a quick shot of that electrolytes before we board the plane. Same thing when we get off, we're going to take another something of some sort. Um, mm -hmm. Or we're going to do something at that dinner once we arrive. Yeah. What's the hardest part about traveling and keeping the, all the guys' nutritions in check? It's actually not like super hard for me. I actually kind of find it a luxury. It's a little bit just more like streamlined because not that we don't have everything planned when we're at home, but like someone else has taken care of us. Someone else has mm. everything hopefully set. Um, you know, I'm, I will say there is a little bit more responsibility, I would say, because you're going from meal here right after practice to going to the plane or airport early to get food set up for the flight, uh, an additional meal. We are lucky enough that Alaska Airlines provides us with a snack bag and a hot food item on the plane. So that's three meals and we haven't even taken off yet. Um, and then they supply our hydration on board for us as well. So that's the luxury there. They take care of us. Then we get off the flight and we immediately go to dinner and then we go to meetings, chapel, and then snack. So there's multiple meals a day um, on that one day of travel. Now, depending what type of climate we're going to or how long that flight is, truly depends on how many more meals that we're going to have or how many more hydration things mm. we're going to have to su supply. Nice. Um, we've gone to the part from the viewer questions. Um, the first one is, what strategies do you use to help with food cravings and unhealthy snacking? Mm -hmm. That's a good one. Uh, food cravings, I always try to figure out where those cravings are com coming from. Is that a childhood craving? Is that mm -hmm. just what mom and pop, you know, handed to you? at eight o'clock at night every single night. Um, and again, like I said this way before, it's not something I ever want to take away from, but we have to try to find ways to limit those cravings. Um, if it's if you like chips, if your craving is chips, you like something crunchy, can we try to find other alternatives that might be a little bit healthier that satisfies that crunch? Mm -hmm. Or is it chocolate? Um, do you like having chocolate ice cream or a piece of chocolate cake at 8, 9 p.m. at night? Is that your craving? Can we utilize that chocolate before you work out as your sugar? And that's going to satisfy your chocolate craving for the day? Or can we decrease how much you're having? Or um, if it ends up being every single night, can we decrease how often you're having that Right. So trying to find different ways to stop that craving. Um, if mm -hmm. we can, sometimes they're very difficult to, um, but trying to come up with things to not necessarily avoid it or completely stop it, but to help sub subdue it, I guess. Yeah. What are some of the considerations that you do for like, if they do have these cravings and they just want to completely stop them or look into other ways of sort of satisfying it. We'll, we'll work out like some sort of plan. We'll have like some sort of journal writing. Sometimes that craving is much more than just 
uh, an eye to food, we see it type thing. Sometimes it's m- much more internal, um, psychology mm-hmm. type. Um, and so writing things down in a journal can be beneficial. When did I have that craving? When did that start? Why did I have that craving? What was I thinking about? What was I doing? Marking those things down in a journal and then allowing me to see like over a course of a week or a course of however long and how often those, you know, what's the average of that? And then kind of breaking it down. Mm-hmm. Um, I think sometimes it's much more of a mental piece than it is, well, I just want that ice cream because I know it's unhealthy and I, or I know that it's just, it's filling a void in me or something. Um, if someone has the opportunity or has the resource to, you know, talk with maybe a counselor or a psychologist or something like that, that's where we can bring someone in for those types of things too. But luckily enough, I did go to school also for, in a psychology degree, which sometimes I forget about, but that would help me with my motivational (laughs) interviewing. And we're like, what is motivational Mm. interviewing? It's how do you tell your the person on the other side of me to help motivate them and they have to tell me how they're going to motivate themselves to stop to Mm. limit those cravings or how are they going to switch those habits up yeah how would you deal with someone that's got like a bad relationship with food that's a tough one to break and it's a, a a tough one to try to fix yeah, that one's going to take much longer uh, uh, to get past. And it's going to take that trust from whomever that person is. And if that's a dietitian, if that's me they're working with, um, it's going to take work. It's going to take some effort on both sides. As the professional, you have to understand where and why that relationship started in the first place. If they're, mm-hmm. let's say they're 20 years old, did it start when they were 15? Did it start when they were 10? Uh, Is it someone who's six years old and maybe it's a young female and they've just seen their mom, you know, use not, I don't want to say mistakes, but do they have these same patterns? Is that how they gained this, Um, that bad relationship with food? So you really have to be so kind and open to listening to that and allow Mm. that person to open up about it and that's where it begins again it's going to come a lot down to more of a a a counseling type of uh Mm. setting yeah absolutely versus i'm not going to tell you how to change nutrition that person will never change yeah same thing with like eating disorders you cannot tell the person they have one you cannot physically tell them how they're going to change it they have to be willing to change themselves and they have to be the one to open up about it. That's tough because sometimes you might just have to sit there between two, three, four, ten counseling sessions until they open up with you about it. All right. That's, that's, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, You've kind of touched on it and I've sort of done some research that's why I did my dissertation on was female athletes in um, sport and how they perceive strength and conditioning coaches. A lot of what they were telling me was that no male SNC coach talks to them about their periods and how to best manage the load and if, like efficiency in the gym. Um, 
and I research a lot into sort of what could help some of these like fluctuations and something that I came across was nutrition. How important would you say nutrition is to sort of, instead of these big fluctuations, sort of having them lower down? It's totally about what and how much you're eating. And are we talking about female athletes? Um, Yeah. Certain nutrients help with our hormones more than they do men. And so working with dietitians specifically for that reason, we'll see a lot of female athletes, you know, miss their cycle or completely lose it. And that's because they're under fueled. And we'll call that REDS, Mm. relative energy deficiency, right? That disorder. Um, It's over exercise, overcompensation, not eating enough. And so you're losing out on key nutrients that help our hormones just keep going in this cycle, keep our bodies going throughout the day. And when we lose that and we don't eat them, that's when we lose our cycle. And it's actually so detrimental to the body that other health, um, you know, issues come with it. Now we might see liver dysfunction. We could see uh, in a gut, you know, some sort of gut health problems. We could see GI tract, um, some of the things that allow our digestive system to flow correctly. Some of those things can start stopping too. It has stuff to do with the brain too. And it's, it's so sad when these things do happen. It happens quite a lot in, I know, especially yeah. gymnastics. Like, that's something that's quite big. Um, what's some things that female athletes can look at to sort of better this and manage better their food? I mean, the one thing that you can just start knowing and understanding is when your cycle does happen, you know, kind of tracking it, honestly. Um, if you are late a couple of days, if you completely start to lose it or the the heaviness of it starts to, mm-hmm. um, I guess, decrease, that's when I would s- start thinking, like, is something more than just me growing and developing happening? Um, talk with a professional. Try to look at it signs. Do you become irritable? Do you feel a bit more sluggish? Maybe more fatigue? whether that's in sport, out of sport, those types of things can affect, you know, our mood. Uh, You get more Mm -hmm. angry at coach when they call you out for not doing something correctly. Um, Honestly, that's, it's one of the biggest ones and some things that we're trained to look at. Um, Mm. Mood, irritability, sleep. Sometimes we lose that concentration uh, trying to fall asleep. So those are some things to look at as female athletes too, or as professionals to look at when when we are working with uh, female yeah. athletes too. Yeah, perfect. Um, the second question was, what is your favorite snack to eat and then to make for your athletes? Mm. <laughs> Personally, my my favorite snack, I love fruit granola parfaits. I could have that any time mm. of the day. I don't know. Something about something smooth. Nice. I don't know why that's <laughs> it's, it's so good. Um, but I will say one of my binges at night 
is it's called True Fru. I have no idea if you guys have that over there, but it's just a frozen like strawberry or raspberry covered in chocolate. And it's supposed to be a little bit healthier for you, but don't let the food label fool you. It does still have some saturated fat in there. So I don't eat the whole bag, but sometimes there's, yeah, yeah. Yep. So these? Nice. They're delicious. They're freeze um, or hyper chilled. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah. Uh, so it, 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 I'm still getting my chocolate fix, my craving, but I'm still getting <laughs> fruit, right? In one serving. I'm just eating one They've serving. They've actually got okay? a lot of flavors. Uh, so they're really tasty too. <laughs> when I am wanting something later at night or, you know, something sweet with my dinner. Um, and the other question was something what I like to make. Well, I don't do any of the cooking for the guys, but I do make the menus. I know they love pasta. Mm -hmm. So if I can create something with an Alfredo sauce, I know that's what's going to uh, mm. please my current athletes. It's their favorite. It's just so easy too. But I don't know. I personally, I love cooking salmon. Uh, you can get mm, so yes. creative with different seasonings. And don't ask me what seasonings I use. I have a full cupboard of them. And sometimes it's like, I'll just start pouring it on there. I have no idea what I'm creating, but it's a concoction for sure. Um, the my favorite way of eating salmon is it's chili mm. and honey, and then you put like wrap in tin foil and just oh. shove it in the oven. Oh, we so did good. cooking class last um, year, um, and. Yes we was all about like how do you prepare pro proteins and salmon was one of them and so we made uh different uh, packages or different seasonings that the guys could use and let it sit in the freezer mm. and then we'd use it the next day and then use that on our salmon or we did some dry rubs on steak too so try to get them in in the action on nice. it too and they love cooking yeah um one thing that you introduced me to and at first, I was like, what is happening? Like, what is this? I think it was called monkey bread. Is it monkey yeah. bread? Like, you brought in for the coach, and I was like, what's that? I forgot about it. We haven't done that in a while. <laughs> yeah. I think, for me, like, the food situation was, like, a, a real wake-up call as to how different it is between yeah. two countries. Um, No, it was, it was it was really nice, though. It was, like, it was, was it cinnamon... And then it's just a, what, what actually goes into it? It's a great question. Um, it's bread, it's cinnamon, it's, uh, what's that uh, topping? Mm -mm -mm. Yeah, I hope you're looking it up. Uh, kind of. Let's see. Monkey bread is a soft, sweet, sticky pastry served in in the United States for breakfast or as a treat. It consists of pieces of soft baked dough sprinkled with cinnamon, often mid-morning. It just says yeah, cinnamon basically. Bread. I mean, it's essentially a biscuit or like pull-apart bread or one of those like canned breads that you can untwist from the fridge and plop it on. It, it's so good. It was delicious, to be fair. I was like, you have changed my mind. <laughs> yeah. 
No, uh, thank you so much for coming on, Ali. Is there anything that you want to plug or sort of just shout out? Um, I don't think so, but I mean, this was great just to kind of chat again with you, tell whomever's listening a little bit more about what we do here, more nutrition and how it plays a huge factor into, you know, what your and my field does and mm. how we're kind of helping these people develop in their younger stages of whatever career they're in. I mean, it's, it's always great to catch up with you and uh, chat through the things that we love chatting about. Yeah, 100%. I think one of our first conversations, I was like, Ali, I need to pick your brain. Nutrition is the most important thing. Like, I just riled off a quick 30 seconds to, to, see, to show you my interest. And I think from then, you sort of just, like, give me little snippets and little golden nuggets. But you are 100%. <laughs> so I can't give it Sorry? to you all at once. No, exactly. <laughs> um, but no, like, nutrition for me is 100% the most important. Because if you've not got that fuel and that, I mean, availability and resources in your tank, then you're not, you're not going to be able to push mm -hmm. as hard as you can, no matter how hard you try. Exactly. And one thing, actually, one thing that um, I caught AJ doing, there was a, an athlete, and you might be able to guess who, <laughs> that was just going ham on his workouts. He's, he was a young, young pup, and he was just going ham. And AJ was like, you can't be science. Like, you just can't be science. So, if you about? That energy... <laughs> <laughs> so, like, without fuel, you're you're not going yeah. very far. <laughs> Unless you were the top most crazy human being possible. You, you can't go without a little gas in your tank. Nah. I like some, sometimes you need the unhealthy mm -hmm. snacks as well, just to keep everything just like... Okay. That's something I learned from you, actually. I was just like, sometimes you would have those special snacks in the kitchen that um, a couple of the guys would make, and then that was it. Like, it was just mm -hmm. a treat for everyone. Absolutely. No, perfect. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Ali. See you, Manny.